Welcome to week one of our summer concert series, guys. If you listen to the very first verse of that song, or the whole song, something wrong in the world today, I don't know what it is. Something wrong with their eyes. We're seeing things in a different way, and God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise we're living on the edge. Come on. You know, that, that song uh, was penned by the, the entire group of Aerosmith and released in 1993. But I think here in 2020, those words never ring truer than, what to, than today. We are living on the edge. And we definitely are seeing things in a way that are not God's way. Come on, church. Are you with me? We're living on the edge. Um, when lockdown hit... And let me go ahead and let me go ahead and start by this. I should have said this at first. Today's message is going to be geared toward the church, followers of Jesus. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, you can sit back and just enjoy the beating. No, I'm joking. Just, just, enjoy, just enjoy what's being said. And now, now we will get to you eventually. But for the majority, this is going to be geared toward the church and our response to what's going on in the nation. Uh, when lockdown hit and quarantine and everything shut down, we found ourselves with a lot of time on our hands, right? I mean, there are a few that worked, but a lot of people, you were confined to home, and there was a lot of time on their hands. And, and a lot of people began to weigh in, especially here recently. What should the church do? Well, what's the church's response to this? Because for three or four months, even our church, we... we we weren't gathering physically. We did our online services, but there was no physical gathering of the people, and there are still a lot of people that still aren't gathering in churches. And we've got a lot of people that haven't come back for physical reasons, and I get that. But even as close as Cleveland, the church, there are several of the bigger churches that have, they're still doing online. Uh, there, there's a church down in, in, in Atlanta, a large church, that announced two weeks ago that they wouldn't begin their in-person services till 2021. And, and so a lot of people have been saying, so what should the church do? What, what, what do we do with this time? And, and there are some, hey, you know what? Let's call 2020 a wash. Let's just give up. Let's just quit. Let, let's, let's start strategizing for 2021. Let's start having, let, let's get 2020s out the door. Let's, let, let's, and that's the mindset of a lot of people. Let's just begin to strategize for 2020, but 2021. But can I tell you, that is not the mindset of God. And that is not the mindset of the gospel. If anything, I believe God is expecting the church, followers of Jesus, to turn it up a notch. Uh, it's all right. I don't expect a lot of amens. But I'm going to preach it whether you amen or not. So you can have fun with me and we can drag this out or you can just shout me down and let's be done really quick. Come on. Say there we go. Bunch of heathens. Um, but, but here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm quite the opposite of that mindset that we should just call it a wash. I think this could be the greatest opportunity for the church in our history. I think this can be the greatest opportunity for outreach, for impact, 
for sharing the gospel in creative and different ways. I believe it could be the greatest opportunity for followers of Jesus begin to begin to dream big dreams again. Come on, uh, for making a difference e- eternally. And I believe it could be the, the, the opportunity for this body to actually live out the vision and mission statement, which is to love God, love people, and serve others. I believe it's a great opportunity. And because here's the truth. COVID-19, social unrest, did not catch God off guard. When it hit, God didn't go, oh, crap, what are we going to do now? (laughs) I had plans. Now they're just all shot to pieces. No, I don't believe it caught him off guard at all. I believe God looked down and said, you know what? This has happened. So now I'm going to use it as a setup for the church to finally become the church again. And I'm telling you, I believe we've got great opportunity. And so today, I wrestle with this week's title. Y'all know how I am. I like titles that make people think or make people go, what? Uh, But today, man, undaunted. I believe that's what we need to become. And and I want to give you the definition that comes from from the online dictionary of what undaunted means. Not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, Danger or disappointment, and I love this one, unwilling to abandon purpose. I believe in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of everything that's going on, what this world really needs is a group of people that are unwilling to abandon their purpose as the church, that are not intimidated by discour- or discouraged by difficult, if it's going to be hard or danger or even disappointments. I believe there are a group of people, and yes, Watchmark Church, I'm talking about you. I believe there are a group of people that will not be intimidated, will not be discouraged, will not abandon their purpose, but instead will lean in even more. I believe, come on, is that who I'm speaking to? And if you're not, man, by the end of this, I hope you're either pumped up or ticked off. That's, that's what I'm going for. No in between? No. Pumped up or ticked off. Because when you leave ticked off, God's going to deal with you. Then next week you're going to come back pumped up. So, or you're just not going to listen to God. But anyway, so uh, anyway, I believe it's time for the church to get back to its roots. Acts 2 church. The original church, the first century church. See, the original church was ecclesia. Here's what it means, a gathering or a group of of believers. And that's exactly what it was in Acts 2, a gathering or a group of believers. See, the church was never meant to be about a building. The church was never meant to be about a religious organization. In fact, I love an interview I saw. I think the guy's Jonathan uh, Isaac, player for the, the uh, Orlando Magic. And they were interviewing him about why he, he, he didn't do what his other teammates were doing and, and different things. And, and he told them, and they said, follow-up question, what does your religion have to do with, with these things? He said, oh, religion has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about I have a relationship with Jesus. And that has nothing to do with religion. And that's what the church, the church was never meant to be about, a religion, an institution. And, and I, here, here's what the original church started out was and meant to be, a movement. 
I mean a movement, a movement that centered around ecclesia, a, a group of individuals that fully bought into this idea. Jesus is who he says he is. He really did die. He really did rise from the dead. He really is the son of God. And they bought fully into that. And that's what the first church was. See, when the first, the first century church was very outward focused. They were about their, their community. Reaching out into the neighborhoods, uh, the, the markets, workplaces, schools, taking the message of the gospel and the love of Jesus wherever they went. Today's church, I believe, has become more inward focused. What's in it for me? Do I like this? Do I not like this? My likes, my comfort, my convenience. Can I tell you, the church has changed from what it was originally intended to be. You see, in fact, I don't believe that the church today would even be recognizable to the first century church. It has nothing to do with lights, sound, or anything. What they would find unrecognizable is our complacency in our communities, in our workplaces, where we've just learned to exist there and not share what God has done for us. I'm telling you, the church has changed. See, there was a time in the church's history when it was so outward focused, they cared and loved so, people so relentlessly and unconditionally that even people that weren't followers of Jesus admired them. They admired them for the way they treated uh, people outside the church. Get this. I know it's going to be hard to believe. They admired them for, they, for the way they treated each other. Come on. And the fact the Bible says that that because of the way the admiration and the way the, the first century church lived, that they had incredible favor in the community, favor in the culture. Would it be a fair say, statement to say that the church today has lost favor in the community, favor in the culture? Come on. We've lost it. Uh, since, since this pandemic hit, uh, even before the pandemic hit, we lost it. The church, the followers of Jesus, listen, the world has looked on as, as followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters, have had arguments online for them to see. And I'm talking about ugly arguments. Calling each other names. Calling each other. And they, and they looked on. And people that should be united are fighting. So they can't much admire the way we treat each other. And if we're honest, there's not a lot that they can admire about the way we treat outsiders. And it's time it changed. It's time it's changed. And here's the good news. I believe the church can get it back. I believe we can get it back to where they look at the church with favor. And listen, I'm not worried about the church down in Dayton. Spring City. I'm not. I'm worried about this church. I want this church, the community, to say, "Man, they're doing an incredible work up there." I don't believe in everything they do or say, but man, they reach people. Man, they help people. I, I, I believe we can get it back. I believe if we will lean in the Holy Spirit, we'll look back and see how God used COVID-19, the social unrest, as a setup for the church to get back what it was intended to be. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter five. If you don't, I am going to bring it up on the screen. But I want to give you a little backstory before we jump in. Acts 2. Um, uh, Saul, Holy Spirit, 
uh, introducing himself, if you will, to 120 believers. Uh, and there's a lot to that, and we won't get into all that today because I'm going to do a series this fall called Ghost, where if you've got quick questions about Holy Spirit, man, we're going we're gonna to answer some of those. Uh, and, but he introduced himself uh, to these 120 people in the upper room. Well, guess what it did? It overflowed from the upper room out into the streets as it should. Did you hear me, church? See, it should overflow from here on a Sunday to out into the streets of our workplaces. We shouldn't leave here and say, okay, God, I'll see you next week. No, it should overflow, and it overflowed. And then Peter, the, the same one that weeks before was so afraid that he denied Christ, he gets up and with undaunted obedience begins to preach. And the Bible says it saw 3,000 3, come to Christ that day, that day. That's Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 3, the movement, the church is blowing up, man. People are being saved. People are being healed. People are becoming followers of Jesus. Well, Acts chapter 4, these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, they're upset that Peter and John are preaching Jesus. They don't like it. Here's basically why, because it's taken away from their business. And so they don't like it. They don't like, they've got some things set up the way they like it. They don't like they're preaching Jesus. Uh, they put them in jail in verse 3 of chapter 4. And get this, verse 4, uh, chapter 3 of, uh, wait, verse 3 of chapter 4. And then the very next verse says this, but many who heard the message believed. They're getting thrown into prison. And it says the ones that heard the message before they got thrown into prison, they believed. So the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. Come on now. And, and so the next morning, um, after throwing them in prison, they bring Peter and John out. They command them, guys, don't speak of Jesus again. Don't teach his name. Don't do any of that. Then Peter makes this statement after being threatened, and he says this, listen, as for us, we cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. You may be telling us not to, but we can't help. It's just who we are. We know what God's done for us. And, and so it says that when you read on it, it says they threatened them, then they let them go. Then Peter and John, they return to this group of people that's been praying for their release, praying for them. They get back there and say, hey, guys, here's what happened. We were preaching the gospel, and we, and we were preaching Jesus. We get thrown in jail. And then the next morning, this morning, they bring us out. They threaten us. If you preach Jesus, we're going to throw you in jail. We may beat you. It may cost your life. Don't do it again. So guys, let's get together and here's what we need to pray. And here's the prayer they prayed in Acts 4.29 after all that. Now Lord, consider their threats, what they said they were going to do to us and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. I love, here's what I love about this prayer. They didn't deny the threats. They didn't deny what their actions could cost them. They said, God, I know it's real. I know this exists. I know it's going. But here's what we're praying. God, that, that in the midst of this, when we should be scared, when we should be fearful of our lives, I'm praying you would give us the bonus to speak your word even more. And on top of that, let there be healings, let there be supernatural moves of God. 
Can anybody say that's undaunted? I, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's that kind of faith I want. And I think that needs to be our prayer right now. In the middle of all that's going on, God, give me boldness during this time to speak your word, to speak your truth. I, I tell you, I want the move that happened in Acts 2, I want it to be resurrected and let's see it come to life today. I want to say, anybody else? Anybody? If you're taking notes, in order to do that, we as followers of Jesus, we have to stop being so concerned about our own comfort than we are our calling. Had a dinner last night with, with uh, Julie and Harvey, and I was asking, hey, so what do you think your giftings or callings are? And Harvey says, I don't have any. He was joking, of course. And I said, I don't believe that for a moment because y'all have heard me teach, man, everyone has a calling. Everyone's got something that God put in them. But a lot of times we don't get to experience it or step fully into it because we like being comfortable. And if you really want to be used of God, you've got to step out of the comfort zone into your calling zone. Are you hearing me, church? So let's jump into Scripture today, man. I'll tell you with that, y'all, it's going to be a long one. Whew. I just feel it, Casey. And I'm hungry. So <laughs> Acts 5, starting with verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. What are they jealous about? Because of all these works that are taking place, and, and they can't threaten these guys and them stop. So they arrested the apostles again, put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out and said this, go stand in the temple courts, he said. Tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with no guard, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, the prisoners were gone. The apostles are gone. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering, hey, what's this going to lead to? Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail, they're standing in the temple courts teaching the gospel, teaching the people. I, I got it. When they first got, hey, we can't find them, they got to be thinking, okay, they've escaped. They took our threat seriously. We won't see them again. And then here comes somebody, hey, 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 those guys you had in jail for preaching on Solomon's porch, they're back again, but now they made their way inside the temple courts. Anybody think that ticked them off? I, I mean, they, they got to be irate going, what in the world is going on? At that, at that, the captain went with his officers, brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. Anybody think that is undaunted obedience? I mean, that, I, that's what I want right there, that kind of boldness. I, I want that kind of undaunted obedience that when God says something, I just move into it. I don't even, you know, I don't quite, yeah, God, let's go. And if you want that kind of boldness, if you want that, if you want to, to live an undaunted, walk in that kind of obedience, raise your hand. It's going to require some things. 
And some things you need to know. One is this. Undaunted obedience will attract opposition. It will. Everybody's not going to appreciate your boldness. Everybody's not going to appreciate it. Just, just get used to it. When mom and dad first started this church, they stepped out in just undaunted obedience. Had never passed before. And, and they, they, when they came up here, people began to talk about them. People began to spread rumors about them. One of my favorite rumors was that we handled snakes. And me being a teenager, I didn't help with disbanding that rumor. In fact, when I would bring friends, we had this place on stage for that, that was a hole that we could pull up for a drama, and I would tell people, hey, hey, hey that's where we keep the snakes. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, my mom would just go, kill me. Um, but, uh, and, but all kinds of rumors, all kinds of, when Denise and I, we attracted opposition when, when we just chose to step out in, in undaunted obedience and come up here to leave, leave a, a great job that we had and, and do it into a position we've never had before, nor did we want. And we said, okay, God, we don't understand this, but, but we're going to step out. And, and, and the rumblings, the opposition came from inside my dad and mom's family because they saw us coming in here. And they were like, oh, Kelly's going to run everything Kenneth and Connie started. He's going to tear it apart. It's not going to be any good. We faced opposition from inside the church. People got mad because I allowed men to wear hats in church. True, it was an argument that, had, that was had. And I, I agree with my mom. I would rather somebody be wearing a hat in church than not in church at all. Wearing, wearing Come on. I'm like, good Lord. And the, but that was the least of them. They didn't like the fact that we would use secular music on occasion. They didn't like the fact that the pastor didn't wear a suit. They didn't like the fact that uh, we would do dances and dramas, that me and Bob would get up here on Father's Day and sing Soul Man by the Blues Brothers all dressed. They didn't like those things. Yeah, y'all missed a lot. Uh, we weren't spiritual enough for them. And some of the greatest opposition came from those that had been part of this church for a long time because they were comfortable. They liked things that way they were. They didn't want change. They didn't want growth. They definitely didn't want accountability. And as very young pastors, Denise and I had to make some decisions. I am more than confident we didn't handle every situation correctly. I'm more than confident. You don't have to tell me that. We did and said some dumb stuff. We'll own it. But bleep, never mind. Let's go on. Um, number two, number two. Undaunted obedience will require you to say, do something, when it would be much easier to say or do nothing. As I said, I'm confident we didn't handle every, everything right, but we were put in situations where if we, were, we either said something or let it slide, and we knew God was saying, no, no, this is what needs to be said. This is what needs to be done. I'll never forget, uh, and uh, Faye, Faye will remember this. We hadn't been here long. 
we had someone want to meet with me, come into my office, began to talk and tear down this other person, tell me all kinds of things they had done. That I said, ho, 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 ho. What, Pastor? I said, I'm going to call them and get them on the phone. I want to bring them into office so we can take care of this. Oh, no, no, they can't know I said this. I said, then everything you just said to me is a mute point. Because the Bible says if there is someone who has the vision, let's bring them together. Guess what? I didn't have many more meetings after that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not going to, that's not what the church was put here. To, to allow you to trash someone without them saying, hey, hey, hey. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters and treating each other right. That doesn't mean we get along all the time. Me and my wife have been married 29 years. We don't get along all the time. Come on. But we're family. We stay together. Oh, man, y'all are a tough crowd today. Good Lord. Ben, I need you at least a little help a little now and then. I got no cash right to give you some. But there were things said about us. Some, some, were, some were lies and lies told about us. We lost people from the church. We lost uh, associates. We lost things. And here's the truth. When you walk in an uh, undaunted obedience and you begin to say and do things that are tough, even when it would be easier, you may lose friends. You, you may, they may defriend you on Facebook. I'm just warning you. Because for some of y'all, that could be the worst thing. I'm, I've heard so many times, can you believe they defriended me on Facebook? I don't really give a crap, but let's move on. Uh, I'm sorry, my wife is just shaking her head. I will move on, babe. But let me, let, let me, let me say this. I'm all about speaking the truth, but the church has been guilty a long time of speaking the truth, but not doing it with love. Jesus always spoke the truth tempered with love. It was always, but we want to tell everybody what they're doing wrong, but not tempered with love. And, and I'm going to tell you, we've got to get to a place where, yes, we speak the truth, but they know that, hey, man, we're only speaking it because of our love and concern for them. We've got to do that. The third thing, let's move on. Undaunted obedience can release God's supernatural. Do we need a move of God, a supernatural move of God in our country right now? Do we need a supernatural move of God in this area? Absolutely. Well, why, why, is it, why aren't we seeing it? I believe it has to do with this one thing, that God is waiting for some people that will start operating in an undaunted obedience and just begin to step out. And when we step out, we'll begin to see the supernatural even more and more. I tell you, did, did the apostles face opposition? Come on, did they? Absolutely. They're thrown in jail. That's opposition. But remember verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out. Get this. They never would have got to experience the supernatural move of God had they not earlier walked in undaunted obedience and went to preach. Here's just a side note. Anybody else find it interesting here in this passage that, that Luke doesn't really make a big deal about the angel showing up and doing a prison break? He just gives a line. Oh, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Not even an exclamation mark. Just a statement. Can you imagine if that happened to one of us? 
Can you imagine if that happened at Manx County Jail or Ray County Jail? The news showing up. And they're interviewing Cousin Jojo. Bubba Ray. Yeah. It sounded like a freight train. I'm telling you, this angel showed up. He's like nine feet tall. He carried, looked like a samurai sword to me. I, you would not believe. I wanted to get a selfie, but I was too scared to ask. Uh, but come on. Would we not make a big deal out of it? But Paul says, hey, by the way, angel of the Lord opened the doors, brought him out of jail. Do you know why Luke writes it like that? Because when you learn to walk in, in, in undaunted obedience, the supernatural doesn't surprise you when God shows up and moves in that way. I'm telling you guys, you aren't surprised. And I believe that God, that when God sees you being undaunted in your obedience to him, we're going to see more and more of the supernatural at work. Number four. Undaunted obedience always requires faith. Always, Kelly? Yes, always. Always. I couldn't see that. I still can't remember what that movie is. That's from always. But I like saying it like that, always. <laughs> Don't get me distracted, folks. Look, look, think about the story. Look at verse 20 and 21 again. Right after they've been broken out of jail by the angel. Remember, the angel shows they've been broken out of jail by the angel. And look what the angel tells them. Go stand in the temple courts. Tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they enter the temple courts, as they've been told, begin to teach. Angel breaks them out of jail for doing what? What were they in jail for? Preaching Jesus. He breaks them out of jail and says, hey, guys, you're free. Whoa, free. Now go back and do it again. Don't do what you got arrested for in the first place. But go right in the center of it. And they did it. It's like, yeah, I know those people, they have the power to kill you. I know those people have threatened you. I know they've, uh, but listen, go do it. And they did it. They just did it. And see, when God prompts you, don't leave that word out. God prompts you. Because I've known people to do some stupid stuff. And it's always oh, God. And God's like, uh, no, no, I wasn't. No, don't blame that on me. But when you know God prompts you, you've got to begin to walk in obedience. I'm telling you, and it requires faith. And lastly, undaunted obedience creates opportunities. See, it doesn't just sit around trying to wait it out, trying to wait for the crisis to end or for things to get better. But there are times when undaunted obedience gets this. It goes out and looks to create opportunities, create things. See, see we don't believe that God called Watts Bar Church here on this hill just because this community needs another church. That's the last thing this community needs, another church. Are, are you hearing me? That's lad. I mean, there's, good Lord, I don't know how many churches. It doesn't just need another church. Here's what I believe. I believe God looked 
into the future when he, when he called mom and dad to start this church over 37 years ago. And he said, you know what? Go there in that community because that community is going to need a group of people with undaunted faith and obedience because 2020 is going to bring something they never thought would be possible, something they would never see coming. And they're going to need a group of people in that area that will stand there and, and be the church, will be what I've created them to be and be Jesus to the people. I believe that's what we're here for, not just to write it out, not just to call it uh, 2020 a wash and get ready for 2021. No, I believe we have got, well, how many months left we got? Five, six? I, I, I believe we need to step our game up. See, a, a couple months ago, God began to deal with me about the Hispanic community. We've got several in this area, and Spring City, Sweetwater, and Athens. And I, for a lot of me, I, I don't know a Hispanic church in Spring, Spring City or in Decatur or in Sweetwater. There may be one in Sweetwater. I don't know of it. And the God began to remind me uh, a few years ago when Mom was doing these uh, women's conferences, and she had had this Hispanic lady come in and preach powerhouse. Her and her husband were pastors are living in Dayton. Well, about three weeks ago, Manny began to do sound for us. Uh, he's not here today. Well, this is Manny's mom and dad. And so I, I, I began to, I told Manny, I said, hey, man, I, I believe God's dealing with me about something. He said, let's set up a meeting. So this past week, Denise and myself, Casey and Tiffany met with Pastor Manuel Castro. And we began to share with him our heart. And I'm so excited to announce that Sunday, October 4th at 5 p.m., we will be hosting and partnering with them for them to do a Hispanic service in this building. Yeah. From the moment we sat down and, began, and he began to share his heart and I shared my heart, there was connection. And, and, and I tell you, my, I, I, we sit there, and this pastor tells us, he, he said, in very broken English, and Manny's interpreting what, what his dad can't say, and that, let me understand you. You want to start a Hispanic ministry in your church? Absolutely. And he said, and you don't want to charge us for use of your building. And he could not get over it because of all the rejection he had, he had met down in Dayton trying to get connected with the church. And we got Denise and Tiffany over here crying to my left, like, suck it up. We're in a meeting trying to get this done. And we're sitting there, and I said, listen, Manuel, we want to partner with you. Our building is empty on Sunday afternoons. You've got a demographic of people I could never reach. And what we're about, loving God, loving people, serving others, I just want to see people come to Christ. I want to see people grow in their walk. I want to see people's lives change. That's what we're about. And the more we talked, he, he got more excited. He's like, we, we've got radios if, if your people would like to come check out that they can hear the translation of what's going on. I said, absolutely. And then Casey said, we would love to maybe quarterly for both churches to get together and let's just have a big party. 
We want to part. We're partnering, guys. I, I don't know where this competition, where churches begin to think they're in competition with other churches. No, I want to partner with. If I could get every church in this area, every pastor to come together, I would because this community is dying and it needs Jesus more than it needs another congregation. I'm telling you guys, and I'm hurrying. Uh, in fact, if I can get Bubba or one of them to come on and play some music, because that makes people think I'm closer to the end than I am. Uh, so, uh, so, thank you, Bob. I'll tell you this, God is moving in this church, in this community, this right here. When, when other churches are experiencing a decline. Yeah, we've got several that, that haven't been able to come back to church because of health reasons. But we've also had such an upscale in visitors and new people coming that while other churches aren't experiencing that, we are. Our Celebrate Recovery since the pandemic hit, while other ones are trying to, we have tripled in size. <laughs> Triple. I'm telling you, why are you saying that? Well, I'm passionate because now is not the time for us to sit down, wait it out, but I believe God wants us to get loud. Loud. Oh, let's finish this out. Verse 27. The apostles were brought in. They were made to appear before the Sanhedrin and be questioned by the high priest. They say this, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. Whose name? Whose name? Jesus. It's funny that 2,000 years later, the culture we live in, you can say God all day long. You can thank God all day long. You can do that. But the moment you say the name Jesus, it changes. Why? Because when you say Jesus, we're clarifying who it is we're talking about. See, with God, it's so, it's very, I mean, you can, you can be talking about several different, but when you say Jesus, there's, oh, 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 that's who you're for. And they said, we, we give, gave you strict orders, don't teach in his name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostle replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Oh, man, how about that for a mantra? Verse 30, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Don't miss this next part because it's what separates and puts Christianity on a different level. It is this, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God gave, has given to those who obey Him. In other words, we were witnesses. This isn't secondhand knowledge. This isn't something that was passed. We saw it. We saw it happen. That's why we're right. We're not writing something. He begins to remind them of some things. Some time ago, Theodos appeared. He was claiming to be somebody. Well, about 400 men rallied to him. But you know what? He was killed and his followers were dispersed. And it came to nothing. He said, and then after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census. He led a band of people in a revolt, but he was killing all his followers scattered too. He said, guys, this has happened before. 
Don't, 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 don't go further than what you need to. And furthermore, remember, we didn't even have to do anything. We didn't have to kill Theodos. We didn't have to kill uh, uh, Judas. The Roman government did that for us because they weren't about to let. So let's just sit back. And then he says this. Therefore, make sure I'm not happy. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to fail, guys. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Anybody been to Rome? Anybody been to Rome? I'm over here. Denise has. I know Denise. Denise and uh, Kennedy went on their European trip years ago. Do you know what the most dominating symbol in Rome is? And it's probably more dominating there than any other city in the world. The cross. You see the cross everywhere. The cross. The Roman Empire. Where are they at? But the cross. I guess Gamaliel was right. If it's God, you're only going to find yourself fighting against God. There's nothing you can do about it. It says this, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. They had them flogged, and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Don't don't read that. They had them flogged and then told them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and just think they, they whipped them and let them go. It was more than that. Anybody see the passion of Christ? You remember the whipping scene with the cat of nine tails? See, the cat of nine tails has, has, has got glass. It's got rocks. It's got men. And, and when they would hit, that would dig into the skin. And then when they pulled back, it would rip the skin back. That's what they did to these men. It went on for hours. Can you, I mean, imagine. You're one of the apostles, and you're watching it happen to one of your friends, knowing that's about to happen to me. I'm about to go through what they're experiencing. So when it says they were flogged, understand it went on for days and they were going to, or for hours, and they were going to be left with permanent scars that would be visual reminders of that day. It's easy to read that and move on, but I want you to see how the, the apostles responded. I promise we're closing. They've been flogged. They've been beaten. They've watched each other, and this is how they respond. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering this disgrace for the name. They rejoiced. And here we are. We're afraid to live a life of faith because we're worried about what someone may say about us. Come on. We're afraid to speak out about Christ because we may get some negative feedback. And hear the founders of the church say this, to be persecuted for the name of Jesus, it's what I am most proud of. They're like, he gave his life for me. The least I can do is get some skin off my back. 
He gave his life for me. The least I can do is give up my reputation for him. He gave his life for me. The least I can do is give up my comfort zone for him. It amazes me, church. They've been flogged. They've been beaten. Their wounds have not even healed. Yet the very next verse says this. Day after day in the temple courts, same city, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That's undaunted faith. Been beaten, been flogged. What's their natural response? To go into it again. Because they know what Jesus has done for them in their life. See, guys, it's not the time to wait out the storm. It's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to rise up. Followers of Jesus, I'm speaking to you. It's time to step your game up. Time to step it up. I'm telling you, that's why we do things like summer concert series, like why we do things like our uh, centuries. And here's the thing. I want to start out with this message because I'm, I'm challenged. If you call Watts Bar home, if you're a follower of Jesus, consider yourself challenged. I'm, cha- I, I'm throwing the gauntlet down. I'm challenging you to step your game up. We're giving you over the next five weeks the perfect opportunity to invite someone to church that doesn't like church, that has given up on church, that thinks church is unessential, that thinks, you know, that church is a bunch of self-righteous people. Come on. We're giving you the perfect opportunity to invite them to something where they're going to come in here. They're going to hear a song that isn't played on Christian radio, and they're going to, because in case you didn't know it, church, the world, those that don't attend church, they're not listening to our Christian radio stations. They're not. Most of you don't either. Come on. And we present them the song. They hear a song. Hey, that's not a church song. And maybe it eases them up a little bit. And the gospel gets presented to them. I'm telling you guys, I am challenging you undauntingly. Go out, be persistent in inviting people to church over the next five weeks. Stand with me across this room. Guys, I, I'm wondering, is, is there anyone here? You say, PK. That undaunted obedience, I don't have it, but man, do I want to live like that. Anybody? Come on, if it's you, raise your hand because I'm about to pray over us. Keep them up. 
Father, right now in the name of Jesus, you see every hand in this place raised. You see those that say, I don't have that yet, God, I, but I want to be undaunted in my obedience. God, I want to be able to not worry about what, what someone might say, what someone might think, and I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to be someone who the, the world looks on and they see, man, that person is in love with Jesus. God, I want to be undaunted in my prayer life. I want to be that person that even in Walmart, even at school, when I hear your voice say, go pray for that person, I just go do it. And Father, I just pray for with their hands raised. God, right, right now, I didn't even pray this in the first one. Right now, I pray they would feel something shift inside them. Right now. Right now. Let them feel something shift. Let them feel something beginning to seep into their beings, into their minds. And I pray you would surprise them this week as they're going out. And, and they, they're, they're so bold, they don't even recognize themselves. And God, when we become undaunted in our obedience, I believe you're going to release the supernatural in our communities and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Oh, one more. Maybe you're here. I, I, don't, I didn't do this at the 9 a.m., but maybe you're here. And, man, you, you don't know what, when, when you, you thought church, you thought Jesus was religion. You, you know, and when you hear us talk about a relationship with him, it's not about religion. It's not about a list of rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And throughout this, you have felt just something just man, knocking on you. It's just like a, this is, this is for you. You need this. And so today you say, you know what, Pastor? I, I want to start something new in my life. My life has not been really working like this. And I want to start today by asking Jesus into my life, into my heart, surrender to Him. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are at. Anybody? I believe you're here because I believe God stopped this part. Father, you know, and only you know, and I just pray, God, you would just Continue to visit them this week. Just keep convicting. Keep pressing in. Keep drawing in. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.